Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I want to stay with the offense right now. We talked plenty about Joe Burrow. He had himself a day. He was able to pass the ball around a little bit on the offensive side. Zach Taylor in the last couple weeks, he was hammered. If he looked at social media, I highly recommend never looking at it. But if he were to look at it uh, two weeks prior, two and a half weeks, three weeks prior to postgame against the Baltimore Ravens to say, oh, Zach, your play calling is a little questionable. I feel like Zach has done a great job. Obviously, Joe Burrow has definitely stepped up his weapons. Getting the ball to his playmakers has been amazing. And then having a healthy T. Higgins out there really does change what the offensive outlook looks like for your wide receiver room. What do you think about Zach Taylor over the last couple weeks? Um, The past two weeks, definitely good. Uh, I think people still aren't with the idea that when you're in opponent's territory on fourth and one, that's a pretty good go for it situation. And they were hammering him on that. To me, that's, that's fine. I, you could argue, I don't get an empty and don't throw the, like I've said, the, the arguments there to not throw the ball to T on the back shoulder ball against a backup corner. But then I also just go, that's T against a back against the backup corner. Like, yeah, I'd throw that. If I saw that matchup, it's just he played a good job, got away with a little, you know, grabbing. But, you know, that's not called, doesn't count. You know, that's just like the T Higgins touchdown on Jalen Ramsey. Not called, didn't count. So um, I, I'm fine with that. Uh, I I do have some feelings about, like, maybe don't go empty when it's fourth and one because you really want to give the semblance of a run game. But I still think they got an okay look out of it. Uh, overall, I can't think of too many issues. I Oh, this is such what? a uh, okay. This is such a first world problem. I tweeted about it. I think T Higgins scored the touchdown, and then they ran up to uh, get the ball so that they wouldn't challenge on a fumble. He clearly didn't fumble on the replay, and it looked like he scored a touchdown because he was laying on his backside. You know, when you lay on your front side, usually that knee hits inadvertently. But when you lay on your backside, none of your stuff's going down, so he was able to reach back there. I think he scored, and. Uh, I just wanted to see the three wide receivers all score touchdowns and they didn't get that. They still scored a touchdown. So no big deal. But I do think, I, I think almost the biggest issue at this point might be Zach Taylor and uh, getting these touchdowns that the players have scored like Jamar Chase and now T Higgins. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, Zach Taylor, where are your people? And this is not a yeah, hit. It's almost not even on him. They're supposed to have guys in the booth yeah, that like, they're, exactly. they're, they're calling down to him. Like, Hey, he scored there. Throw the flag, throw the flag. 
yeah, no, I agree with you. Not on Zach Taylor, but like you have people up in the booth for a reason and they need to tell you that's a touchdown. Uh, we saw week one against uh, Jamar Chase against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree with you. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, that was really fast. And obviously when you're moving something really fast offensively, it's probably going to be a mess or it's not going to work out. And that's exactly what they were doing at that situation. They were like, look, we're not trying to get them to question this situation that maybe he fumbled the ball. And they moved it pretty quickly. That's how I, I felt that was happening. Yeah, I at least need that guy to call down to Zach and say, hey, you didn't fumble. You, yeah. you don't need to hurry up here. We could take our time. <laughs> if the Falcons throw the flag, <laughs> is it possible the Falcons throw the flag for the for the fumble and then they rule the touchdown? I don't think that's how it works, but no. I am not sure. Okay, that would be funny. I agree with that you. would be hilarious. But it was funny because I was at the game and I'm watching it. It actually happened right in front of me. And I was like, oh, they probably ran that really fast because the coaches were worried about the fumble. So I didn't really even think about it. I was like, oh, that's fine. I totally get why that didn't work out for the offense right there. They were really moving quickly. So I get it one to get the snap off. Um, that's how I took it. I, and I, I apologize. That's how I took it live too. But yeah. when you're when you're watching on TV, they got so many replays that almost immediately after, like, ooh, I think he scored. I'm not sure if they showed that at the game as much. They didn't. They really didn't. It was a very quick situation where honestly, the whole thing felt like, oh, we don't want to mess this up, so we're gonna snap the ball. Um, and then everything just it ended up working out. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I thought maybe that could have been a touchdown. Um, but. Can we get some people for Zach Taylor up in the booth that can uh, watch the stuff? Because Zach has bigger things to worry about on the sideline. But no, um, obviously, jokingly, when you when you see what they were able to do today, this is honestly how I felt. And it's been a long time that honestly, you could go back to last season, maybe the Detroit Lions and a couple of the AFC North games. We kind of joked about it last week on the podcast was I never really felt like any games this season that they were going to obviously win or by multiple scores or felt really confident. This was a game where Joe drives down the field and I'm like, they're going to win this game. And I don't really feel like Atlanta is going to come back. I didn't feel like that going into the game. I thought it was going to be a scrappy game. Obviously you have an Atlanta Falcons team. You look through the whole entire season of what they've been able to do. Even when they're down, they would still run the ball against teams. I want to say they did that against the Los Angeles Los Angeles Rams earlier in the season, but they're just kind of one of those teams where they never go away. I honestly didn't feel like that with this team today. I mean, I know they're dealing with injuries defensively with Logan Wilson out, DJ Reader, and we knew this was going to be a team that was going to run the ball, but I just, I never felt like that today. I felt very comfortable on both, honestly, all three phases with the team. I felt pretty comfortable going into the game, to be honest. I just thought I had a similar feeling that I did against Pittsburgh and I know that didn't work out but I thought this team wins unless they commit multiple turnovers because they're just they're just the better team than the Falcons and especially when you start looking at injuries and all that stuff the the Falcons had one game script that could have won them the game and that's they take the lead early and they're able to just pound eight minute drives and maybe get a turnover or two or Grady Jarrett gets a, a couple sacks instead of just one or kills a drive with his sack instead of allowing a first down after so that's what I thought it was just unless this team multiple turnovers, they're winning. That's what I thought going in. I'd be I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. Mostly because I watched what happened week one, where they did commit the multiple turnovers. But this game, I was like, I would be surprised if they lost because I don't think that's going to happen. And glad I went glad I was right. I did think the Falcons would keep it a little bit closer. I thought the run game might work a tiny bit better than it did. Oh my goodness, do they hammer it though? I mean, they okay. were down 14-0 like 
minutes into the first quarter and Mariota ends up with like 13 pass attempts. I know it was under 15. And I just thought, whew, that is uh, not a ringing endorsement of the quarterback that you have brought in. Uh, <laughs> if they if they weren't three and three, I would be thinking like, might be time to look at that rookie, you know, <laughs> if you trust this quarterback so little. But they do like to use him in the run game too. So I do get some of the added value. But if you're Atlanta, and again, this is not an Atlanta Falcons podcast, I have questions because at some point you're going to want to see what you have in Desmond Ritter because I feel like this quarterback class in the draft is pretty legit early on. Not to say that they're going to pick early on in the top 10 or anything like that, but I'd kind of want to see what you have from Desmond Ritter because watching that game, the whole entire game, I never felt like they thought we can really win with this quarterback. He can run the ball. He can rush. We can uh, see what we can do on the ground, but I don't really feel confident in the air. And I just felt like as soon as Cincinnati went up, I'm like, this game is over because there's no way that he's going to beat you in the air at all. Because I like, I like the Bengals corners. I like Cheetah. Except, except uh, like right Cheetah. before, right before after that was the only time I think I got mildly, just a slight bit nervous was when they were up 21 and then within 30 seconds, they were up 11. And I was like, that is a disaster of a half. And the Falcons get the ball after halftime. I was like, all right, they could have just let it later right back in this game, but then they actually step up, they get the stop, they get all that. But Oh my goodness. That was the moment. Um, and I guess we could talk about now. Eli Apple hasn't really been that good the past couple of weeks. And I feel like we need to talk about this a little bit because it just hasn't like, I see people still posting like the receiving yards given up and all this other stuff. Andy Dalton missed him uh, getting smoked by some no name wide receiver because all the Saints wide receivers were no names in that game. Cause they were down Thomas Landry and Olave. So some no name receiver smoked him could have been a touchdown should have been a 30 yard gain. And it goes to the outside, whatever. And then, uh, the week before there was the uh, it was kind of like that trick ish play on fourth and one that Lamar just completely missed the guy over Apple. And then this week it finally connects. Uh, he got beat twice deep in the past two weeks. And then this week he gets beat deep again and it connects. And these are just like, this is, you can't be doing this every week, man. Like this is, that's the disaster. And I know that the stats don't matter or anything for that because, you know, they still allowed whatever yards, that's why yards allowed sometimes isn't the best stat. I've been nervous about Eli Apple's play the past couple of weeks, and then it finally happened. And Demir Bird, I didn't know he played for the Falcons or that he's still in the league, still fast. Uh, <laughs> so he scores a big touchdown. It looked like three buzz to me, which means that Bates isn't helping him over the top, and Bell is coming over to uh, the middle of the field from the opposite side. So there's a ton of room. Eli Apple has to know that. He looks like he's open. And Demir Bird gets inside of him and he just never runs. He doesn't, he takes too long to run with him. When you're flat foot and the guy's got a full speed start, you have to get on it quick. And especially with like 30 seconds left in the, in the half, you have to get on that because who cares if he beats you for 15 yards? Like I, I don't care. Don't get beat deep. And then you got beat deep. Uh, so he could have just been overestimating his own skill, like his own speed, not his skill, but his own speed. He could have thought, Oh, maybe Bell's going to help me more or something wasn't happening. Uh, or maybe he just thought, I don't know. I, I, underestimated the wide receiver speed, something along those lines, or maybe he just zoned out and he was like, Oh, I hope they throw this ball underneath so I can get a pick. But yeah, I just, that was a very frustrating play. And I don't, I, I know the coaches are going to have their coach speak. I don't think we saw Cam Taylor Britt so much in the second half because it was some planned rotation. 
No. And that's the thing. I want to get to that. Not to make this an Eli Apple segment, but we're going to right now. And I'm more of an Eli Apple guy than I feel like a lot of fans. I, I think 100%. He, I feel like he's been fine. I have been, uh, I've been teetering, though, the past couple of weeks when I keep seeing the uh, deep ball that almost gets completed that can change the game. And it happened here, although it didn't, ca- it didn't matter. Counted. Didn't matter. Yeah, no, I agree with you because I think if someone were to ask me, because I knew obviously Cam Taylor Britt was out for the first four games. And then when he was activated, I was like, oh, Cam Taylor Britt. I was excited about the pick. If we go all the way to draft nights, I was excited about it. I'm like, oh, obviously hearing every draft expert talk about this guy, they move up in the draft because they like this guy. And this guy's going to be the future when you think about the secondary. And I thought when he was injured and it really didn't really see anything impressive from him during training camp, but I was like, they're going to ease their way back in with him. And then hearing Lou talk about Dax Hill, um, you know, not rushing him in there. You don't want to do that. Who are you going to take off the field? I never really felt like when, he was ready when Cam Taylor Britt was ready that they were going to put him in the game because I didn't really see anything from training camp. So when Zach Taylor on Cam Taylor Britt, he said this after the game, we wanted to work Cam in there. We wouldn't call it benching Eli Apple. Said it was the plan pregame. That's that's yeah. such a coach speak. We wouldn't call it benching. Call <laughs> like, it benching. Uh, no, man. I have to go back and look. I have to go back and look and see what snaps he played. If it's a rotation, to me, yeah. that means that he came in in the first half at times and they were just rotating drives. I think he might have. But then in the second half, I don't remember much Eli Apple. And yeah. I remember seeing a lot. So I want to see if he rotated in at all in the second half. Maybe the plan was a rotation early. And then Eli had the uh, touchdown given up. And then they were like, let's go a little more. Kid. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just talk about Cam Taylor Britt for a second. I didn't catch all of him because, you know, broadcast film on TV, you see those corners for like three seconds and then they're downfield. But what you do get to see is them play run defense and he is still taking it to what I loved about him in the draft. I, I, we didn't have the podcast then, but, um, what I loved about him in the draft was he loved to just beat up and bully these wide receivers when they tried to block him. And he's still doing it in the NFL. I love that. And, you know, it, I think the fans thought I was trolling them when I said this, but he reminds me of Trey Waynes, but like Minnesota Trey Waynes yeah. before the injury and all that. So I think they, I almost thought like, yeah, they kind of got their Trey Waynes finally, which I think they've been looking for. He's a little bit tight. He doesn't, you know, flip his hips super well. And I think um, sometimes he loses his balance. Those are kind of Trey Waynes things to me. And then he's really physical. He's fast. He likes to attack the ball. He does all this other stuff well. So I, I think he was a good pick. I think we saw good play from him. I don't remember too much that went wrong, although it pl- this game plays into his hands because of running the ball so much, and he loves to defend the run. They used to, most often, when a team goes two wide receivers to one side and a tight end on the other, the team, they have to make the decision. Do you send your wide receivers to the, the corners with wide receivers, or do you leave one over on the tight end? And uh, Nebraska would love to leave Cam Taylor over that tight end and let him just beat up the tight end. <laughs> just like, you know, put your hands on him, throw him to the ground and make the tackle. He was, he was awesome. That was one of my favorite things to watch. And I can't wait to look at the film to get, see uh, how many times did Cam Taylor Britt uh, knock down a wide receiver as they were trying to block him. Yeah. And I think that's one thing about this defense and honestly, Zach Taylor and his coaching staff, they're not afraid to be like, you aren't doing what we want to see. So we're going to replace you 
for this time being. Not to say it's a mention, like Zach Taylor said, and maybe it wasn't. I know you're going to go back and watch the tape, and we'll get more in depth to what that really looked like on Tuesday and Thursday's podcast. But at the same time, I mean, one of my favorite guys, Lewis Riddick, he's over on ESPN. Obviously, everybody's familiar with him. He had told me the night they drafted him, this guy's going to be really a game changer for the Bengals defense. And I had to shoot him a little tweet like, hey, look, Cam got his reps, and he's like, oh, the guy's athletic. You know, obviously not all eyes are on the benching or anything like that. So to be determined on what that looks like on the outlook. But when you have that, when you have a guy you can replace, and I know he's a rookie, and maybe this is more in the future when you think of Cam Taylor Britt and Dax Hill in the secondary, what that's going to look like. Maybe that's more of a 2023 situation. But hey, if the guy can go in there. And that makes me nervous to have someone in there that's a rookie that was dealing with injuries early on. And you're like, all right, let's get this guy reps. Let's put him out there and see what he looks like. And they weren't afraid to do that. Yeah, that um, they weren't afraid of that. He showed that he could play pretty well, at least in a spurt. Um, I, I think they'll still go with Eli Apple next week. 100%. I, th- I think, I think that's, to me, that is almost what he means by I wouldn't call it a benching because it's almost like they sat him this half and it shows he's on kind of that thin ice, but he's still not benched because he's starting again next week, provided there's no injuries or anything. Um, so that's that's kind of my feel for it is they watch Cam Taylor Britt. They're kind of like, Ooh, this guy can play. He's kind of uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, like maybe we could make that switch, but we don't want to do that right now. Um, the secondary has such great communication and all that and. Although I do also on the other side, I think uh, Eli Apple is physical enough, but I do think of like, oh, kind of do want to see Kim Taylor against that Browns mm-hmm. run game, you know, because <laughs> like, that's what he does his best. I think that's what he uh, would do his best, but I just think they do like Eli Apple a lot. So he'll still get the start next week. Um, I, I mean, you could see Kim Taylor, but if you're asking me right now, who, who's out there, I feel like 80% chance it's Eli Apple starting week, uh, week. Eight, I believe we're yeah. I know it's insane to think it's week eight, and one hundred percent agree with you. It's going to be Eli Apple, and I would be very surprised if there was a change early on when it comes to a start against the Cleveland Browns. Well, more next on it's always game day in Cincinnati.